on back in, say hey to everybody watching online, glad that you're with us. And if it's your first time here, your first time in a long time, don't worry, we're not going to make you stand up or anything weird. Uh, have all the free coffee that you want, that's all great. Uh, hey, I also want to celebrate something. I saw, I saw her here earlier, she might be out talking and getting some coffee or something, but uh, Pastor Lily, oh there you are, Pastor Lily who served us as our children's pastor for a good number of years has over this past year going into the mission field and she just got back from Kenya and uh, she's leaving tomorrow for El Salvador and um, just like the need and the ministry and I want y'all to be praying for Pastor Lily, God's opening up some great doors and um, we love you, I just want you to feel the love from this church, right? Yeah, yeah. And please keep Israel in your prayers. Uh, you've probably been watching and seeing all the news and everything. We also have a team that's scheduled. Uh, we're going to be going to Israel in November. Uh, so far, uh, we think that's happening. Uh, but uh, we'll certainly be safe and all that kind of stuff. But be in prayer for Israel. That's, that's important uh, that we pray for peace in Jerusalem and in Israel. And uh, Palestinians were created in the image of God. And let's pray for peace for all the people, all people. Um, if you weren't here last week or you've not been here in a while, on our app that Tracy so fabulously talked about earlier, uh, on that app is a prayer guide, and it's updated for this last quarter of the year. And if you need some help praying, if you just want to try out some new things in prayer, I would encourage you to, to go after this prayer guide. There's, there's stuff in there where you uh, bring your spiritual gifts out in prayer. There's scripture reading every day. There's... Moments of silence where you just sit and you, you, you're quiet before God. Uh, because we're in a series right now on prayer. And the name of the series is More Than Words. Say more than words. And last week we, um, we talked about several things. This, this whole prayer series is really great if you're new to faith. Or if you're re-engaging faith. Or if you're a veteran in the faith. Or maybe you got some questions about prayer. About, you know, what, what is... Because honestly, prayer is one of those things where, if, if we were to be honest, uh, there's, there's a lot of us, and I've, I've been in this camp, where it's just like, man, I don't feel like I'm a very good prayer. Um, like I watch and I see other people praying, and I just don't feel that I'm very good at it sometimes. And I think this series is uh, really going to be helpful, uh, especially if, like me, you felt that way before. And maybe you just want to feel like connected to Jesus in a new way. And prayer is a foundational part for that. Last week, we had a big statement about the goal of prayer. The goal of prayer is not to pray. Sounds odd, but the goal of prayer, the reason we pray is not just to pray. The goal of prayer is to be formed. Being formed. We talked about like wet concrete last week and how our lives are like wet concrete that's being poured out. And prayer is that form that... God forms us into who he's called us to be, and prayer is that form. Today I want to talk with you about hearing from God, and, and I want to start with an illustration that I've used many times, and it's just such a powerful image. It fits with what we're talking about today. This is a scan of the human brain, and on the left is an image of a normal human brain of a three-year-old, and on the right is an image of a brain of a three-year-old who has not been held in life, has not been touched, has not uh, had connection, nurture, seeing, hearing other people. This, this image on the right side is, is of a three-year-old who has been institutionalized and has just not had the care of, of loving parents 
The one on the left, the, what is called normal, is the one that has had such connection and love and nurturing and, and so, so much so that neurologists now know that because of research on the human brain that the function, development, and growth of the human brain is so critical in the first two years of life. If you just look at these pictures, you can see a few things. You don't have to be a brain surgeon or a brain doctor to pick up on some of the stuff in these images. First of all, I'll draw your attention to that large outer white circle there on the left. And if you look at the one on the right, that white circle is much more condensed. It's much more small. It's much more shrunken. If you look, and if you look at the one on the left, it almost looks like you've cut a watermelon in half. And it's got these two uh, kind of curvy things there in the middle. If you look at the one on the right, it's you know kind of the same image, but those, those images are much more dark and defined, enlarged. If you look at the one on the left, you see really just a wide open brain of receptors. Nothing looks cramped, nothing looks shrunken. If you look at the one on the right, you can feel the tension of that brain. Now, why do I show you this? Because I think it illustrates something very cool about how we were created. You are literally hardwired for connection. You're hardwired, your biological functions. God created you for connection. If, if we don't grow up in life with connections around us, our, our, our biological functions are stunted. What's the most powerful thing for anybody in the, the, that has served in the military? I believe if you talk about it, you will hear the importance of the people around you. I myself have not served in the military, but I've heard time and time again the importance of the people around you. You're only as strong and only, only as healthy as the people that you serve with. And here's, here's, here's the tide of faith. God created you for connection. And your connection to God is not limited by the size of anything in your body. Your connection with God is not limited by your own intellectual capacities or your own ability to connect with other people. Your connection to God is only limited by your availability to God. And we will literally have underdeveloped lives without connection to God. He does something in our lives, in our biological makeup. He does something in the power of his Holy Spirit. We can't do this on our own. Jesus had a phrase that he used over and over. And there's a very famous conversation with a Pharisee. There's conversations that he had with his disciples. This phrase is born again. Have you ever heard of the phrase born again? Anybody here? I've got three people. Okay, there's more hands going up. Thank God. I was like, man, we're going to have to pivot the sermon really quick. If you haven't heard the phrase born again, it's, it's literally this idea. It's this dynamic in scripture that Jesus talked about where our lives, when we meet Christ, when we accept and receive the good news, when we start following this God, our lives are made new. 
This is the God who makes dead things live. And it doesn't matter how, how condensed and unformed and how bad the past has been. Born again means that we can be made new by this God. Could it be that following this Jesus, this born again component of the Christian faith, could it be that this instance actually resets our failed commitment connection to God? God connecting and nurturing us is such a big deal. He makes all things new. Us connecting to God, God connecting to us. And this is no small thing. We're talking about the God of the universe here. We're talking about from in the beginning when God created. We're talking about the God who delivered the Hebrew children out of fire. We're talking about the God who saved nations and condemned others. We're talking about the God who took on human flesh in Jesus and died and rose from the dead. We're talking about the God of miracles. We're talking about the God who has always been. We're talking about the God who we can't escape from because he's already there. This God, we can hear from him. We can hear his voice. We can connect with him. Now, hearing is a funny thing. We instinctively think, when you think about hearing something, I think of those hearing tests that we would have as kids in school where they would make me hear high-pitched sounds and I'd have to raise a hand. And I always felt like I did poorly at those. And some of y'all are looking at me like, they did what in your school? Yeah, yeah, we actually had hearing tests in school. Um, but but he, when, when you think about hearing sound is usually one of the first things that we think about. So when we talk about hearing from God, maybe your first thought is, I've never heard the voice of God. And can I tell you something? I've, I've never heard the voice of God either. Some of you, uh, you feel like you have, and that, that's cool. That's great. But I have never heard, now, Nathan, this is the voice of God. You know, that, it's just never happened. What I, what I have heard from God has been more like a feeling or a premonition or someone else has spoken something, and I've been like, God, is, are you trying to get my attention? Or I've read something from Scripture, or I've been in prayer, and I've just started journaling and writing something, and I've been like, man, God, are you speaking to me? When we talk about hearing from God, though, we, we instinctively think about volume. And sound is about way more than volume. It's about frequency and sustained waves. And I realize that I'm talking about sound in churches. In sound in churches, there are a lot of big opinions about how sound should be in churches. I hear them all, believe me. For every one of you that come up to me and say, you know what? The music is too loud. I've got at least some other people going, you know what? You got to turn it up because I can hear those people singing beside me. And they're not good. And I'm like, you need to pray for deliverance for those people who can't sing. But anyway, there's so many opinions behind, behind sound in church. And, 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 and in our church, like, like our sound guys, we've, we've brought in engineers. We've brought in professional people. There's a whole science 
behind sound in churches. If you look at the walls around here, there's these squares on the walls, and those aren't just like, they're not for design, they're for acoustics and for absorbing sounds in different places based on how the sound waves are hitting and all these kind of things. And, and, and our folks that, that run sound, they actually have a decibel reader which measures the, the amount of sound, the volume of the sound. And, and, and believe it or not, we are not as loud as a lot of other churches. <laughs> We're not. <laughs> but sound is about way more than decibels. It's about audio frequencies. Some of y'all may have seen these black boxes here in the corner of the churches here, and there's one over there. And, and I, I worked with a, with, with, a, with a music pastor once who wanted to bring both of those and put them right here in front because that would be the better place for them. And I was like, do you know how much hate we will get if we put the sound? Because here's what those things do. You know sometimes when you hear bass and it just kind of hits you right here? You know, that's what those things are all about. I love those things. I could, I could sit right in front of it and let it blow my hair back, you know. Because it's not about volume, it's about frequency and it, it affects feeling. It's an incredible science. These engineers that come into a place like a church and, and they, they, they make tweaks and they make, and our musicians, I don't know if you know this, but the people who sing on the stage, back in the day we used to have these things called floor monitors. They're little speakers where the people who were singing could hear what, what they were singing and they could hear all the other instruments because all the other speakers are designed for everybody else in the room. And did you know that our people up here actually have that in their ears? They don't have it. You know why? One of the biggest reasons why? Because they're deaf, number one. But another reason is because when you add more speakers where you've already got speakers, it confuses the sound in the room and it makes it way louder. And I've told people who complain about sound, I'm like, you, you wouldn't believe how bad like the volume could get to before we took away the, the, the floor speakers. Like, believe it or not, we're actually not as loud as we used to be a few years ago. And some of you were like, liar. <laughs> liar? No, we've actually tracked it. Now, why am I talking about technology and sound and all this stuff? Because, because hearing from God... There's a frequency, there's a rhythm, there's more than just sound and decibels. But, but sound, hearing, frequency, decibels, these things are incredibly powerful. There's a short, really short video I want, you, I want to show you of a soprano who hits the, 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 one of the highest notes possible for the human voice. And, and I want you to watch this, and I'll... I, and then I want to tell you a little bit more about it. See if you can pick out where she hits the, the highest note. Watch this. This is the second entrance of the guests in which Audrey sings not just a high A, but all the way down to a low A below middle C. <laughs> Who wants to try? Now, did, did you hear that really, really high squealy pitchy thing if she held that note for more than about four seconds the frequency from that pitch would start breaking glass but you know what that just that short little blip up and what was more impressive the guy was saying was that she could go all the way down like within within a second what's so impressive is that that little blip of that high note it it doesn't sound like it when you're in the room but it has the frequency of an earthquake. 
Just, just a short little, it had, but if you sustain that, some people think that, you know, sound and waves and all these things, if you get above a certain volume, then, then you're going to get, you're going to get damage. That's true, but it's not until it's in like three digits sustained where we're really in trouble. And I wanted to show you about that, show you that video because this sound and this frequency and all of this stuff matters because it's not only the loudness, it's also the frequency. It's also the stuff that sometimes we can't really find with sound that have such an effect. And that brings us to our text today out of 1 Kings chapter 19. We're going to go verses 11 and 12. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. And it says this. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. This is God talking to Elijah. So Elijah is already hearing from God. He says, go out and stand on the mountain before me. Elijah stood there. The Lord passed by. And a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. And it was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind... There was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. A windstorm, an earthquake, a fire, and a whisper. And we read this scripture, and we tend to say, okay, We gloss over the windstorm, we gloss over the earthquake, we gloss over the fire, because where was God found? In the whisper. And we tend to like be like, okay, okay, God's found in the whisper. Got it. Next. But just just stop for a minute and look at this and think about it and like ponder it for a minute. I don't think that the prophet Elijah was able to just skip past the windstorm or the earthquake or the fire. He experienced all those things. We had a windstorm uh, here last winter that literally picked up. My kids had this old trampoline, and don't tell them this, but I'm so glad this thing got destroyed. We, please don't tell them. Like, oh, heartless dad, wait till I get to talking about cats. <laughs> picked up this trampoline, tore through our fence, tore down our pergola, tore, r- ripped, uh, ripped, Rip the liner in our pool. I mean, just caused thousands of, from a windstorm. I don't think the prophet Elijah is standing on this mountain just glossing over the windstorm. I think the sound of the wind. Have you ever been awakened by the sound of the wind? Have you noticed that our storms, for whatever reason, here of late, when it's a windstorm, it's a bad windstorm. We can't just get like happy, pretty wind with happy, pretty light rain. It's like, and if you've got a, like a metal roof like we've got, it's even louder when the rain hits it. And then, not, not just that, there's this earthquake. Anybody ever gone through an earthquake before? Come on, let me see your hand. Anybody? Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I was in, living in Maryland at the time, and I was at a Panera Bread for a meeting. 
the heck? We'll talk later. I was at a Panera Bread for a meeting, and I was sitting there in this comfortable chair. And I literally thought somebody come up behind me and started, like, wiggling the chair. And I turned around, and I looked, like, because I thought it was somebody like one of y'all, you know, that was just playing a joke on me. I turned around with a smile and looked, and there was nobody there. And I looked around, there was nobody, and I, like, locked eyes with a person across the restaurant that I knew. And she went, it's an earthquake. She was from California. She was so excited. She's like, it's an earthquake. And like everything, it literally felt like the whole place was, like it was doing that. It damaged the Washington Monument. They had to shut it down for a while. I was scared out of my mind. I was like, what in the world? I was, I was like, I got to go get my kid. I don't know why, but I got to go get my kid. Freaked me out. What I couldn't hear, I felt. I don't think Elijah, up on the mountain, was just glossing over the earthquake. And then there were fire, fire, a firestorm. I've never been in a firestorm. I often like to grill and smoke meats, and I don't have any hair on my hands from here down because the fires burn my hands off. They're like, why don't you wear gloves? Because <laughs> I'm a man. And... <laughs> The fire, just from a little grill, sustains pain. How, if, if you're in the middle of a firestorm, how are, how are you escaping the pain? And after all of this, hearing from God, here's, what, here's, here's some of the biggest points out of the scripture that I just want to draw us to. Hearing from God is about more than volume or frequency. It's about the intimacy that, that comes from a whisper. When my son was three years old, he used to have this adorable habit where he would want to come up and tell me a secret. And it usually took place when he had like been stuffing his face with goldfish crackers and had been snotting. And so he has this like amazing film over here. He was like, Dad, I want to tell you a secret. And he would grab my head and he would put his face right up against my ear. And he'd be like, It'd just be like goldfish in my ear, you know. But hearing a whisper takes a different posture than just hearing someone talk. So, how do we hear from God? That's what we're talking about, right? How do we hear from God? Here's, here's the first thing that I would say. Here's how you hear from God. First thing is read Bible passages several times and hear them different ways. See, God has said a lot already, and it's in his word. And if you're looking for a word from God and you want to hear from God, that is the place I will draw you to first, is his word. Over and over and over, you hear from God from his word. You can't open scripture and miss the words of God. The earliest of Christians have, have read scripture and have heard from God. And, and there's so many different ways to read scripture. You can take that passage we read today and you can look at it from different points of view. You can imagine yourself standing there watching Elijah. You can imagine yourself as Elijah. You can imagine yourself in the company of the church or in the company of the Israelites hearing the prophet's story. You can imagine yourself in the windstorm and in the 
in the earthquake and in the fire. But the earliest of scriptures, I mean the earliest of Christians have had a method of reading scripture, of praying with scripture. And I just want to just quickly kind of deliver this to you. Here's what ancient Christians for thousands of years, how they've heard from God by, by, by reading the scripture. For bring up that list, first thing is to read. That, now, now I know that seems completely elementary, but just wait a minute. Here's what I mean when I say read. Like this whole thing of read, think, respond, quiet. This whole thing, I would say set aside 10 unhurried minutes. Not 10 minutes in your car not 10 minutes in the parking lot before you walk in. Not 10 minutes on your break time when everybody else is smoking a cigarette. I'm saying take 10 minutes of unhurried quality time where the phone is not bothering you, where the kids are not going to come bashing in. This may only happen at 4 a.m. for some of you. I would say 10 unhurried minutes. And when I say read, here's what I mean. Take, take that passage of Scripture, that, that passage from 1 Kings 9. I read it silently. Then read it again out loud. Read it slowly. Pay attention to what in the passage is sticking out to you. Because when we read that earlier, there were some things that stuck out to you. If you go back to that scripture and you read it, something's going to stick out to you. So first thing I would say is read. Second thing, I would say to think, you know what? God gave you a brain. Use it. He gave you a brain. Connecting with God involves our intellect. Consider what the scripture means. Make an effort to understand it. Here's something that I would encourage us all to do as Christians. Whenever you read something, especially in the Old Testament, look and see what it's saying about Jesus. Where, how is it pointing to Jesus? How is the earthquake and the windstorm and the firestorm and the whisper pointing to Jesus? What is it saying about God? It's saying that sometimes it's the whisper. What phrases or words are sticking out? And the next thing is to respond. What do I mean by respond? Uh, out loud, silently. Some of you pray in tongues. Start responding by praying in tongues. You have that gift, use it. Paul says, I wish all of you spoke in tongues because it edifies you. You know what? Whether you feel like it or not, if you have that gift, just start speaking in tongues. Why? Because it will edify you. It will encourage you. It will lift you up. That's, that's, that's what Paul tells the church to do. Respond. Pay attention to how you feel. And that response, are you being drawn to a need for repentance? Thankfulness? Are you, are you just kind of going deeper in your need for grace and for help? And then that last thing is quiet. Contemplation, deeper prayer, listening, being. You know what? Two ears, one mouth. Open up your ears and be quiet. Sit quietly before the Lord. Maybe you'll hear something, maybe you won't. Maybe you'll feel something, maybe you won't. But so much of prayer is just sitting before God and being with him. You can't be intentionally in the presence of God and it be a waste. And that part is probably the most difficult for us because as soon as we're quiet, we pay attention to the earthquakes and the windstorms and the firestorms all around us. 
instantly what is brought to our, our, our brain are the things that we've got to complete for the day. And how sitting in the silence is really taking away from my time to be productive. Because for some reason, our generation and our, us, we've bought into the lie that we are only as good as what we can do. And being quiet is a direct rebellion to the busyness of life. It's in direct rebellion to this idea that you are only as good as what you can do. You'll only be loved for what you do. Maybe quiet for you is just being reminded I don't have to do anything for him to love me. God's not going to require me to be somebody that that he didn't create me to be. God's never going to put anything on me that that I wasn't supposed to bear. I was at a, this is not my notes, but I've got to bring this up because it's so good. I was at a church this past week and there was a line in one of the worship songs that we that we that we sang. And all this just you know how sometimes when you're singing or when you're reading poetry, there's just like something that sticks out, maybe when you're reading scripture. And this line stuck out. Listen to this. You could try just for a start to put the judge back on the shelf. All the loving kindness in your heart have a little for yourself. We walk through this life with so much angst. And this is challenging because we want to fill up the silence. Sometimes we're in a conversation and it's so tempting because we don't want there to be a lull in the conversation. We want to fill the silence. Why? Because it's uncomfortable to be in silence. We'd almost rather have the earthquake or the windstorm or the fire. But what we learn in this particular passage, our text for today, is that God was found in the silence. And I think this is really difficult for Pentecostals especially. Because Pentecostals, historically, they like to shout and they like to sing and they like to wail. and they like to... When God passes by, when he shows up, it's dramatic. But when he speaks, it's intimate. God also has an inside voice. You can't hear a whisper in a windstorm or when everything's on fire. Things have to calm down. Scripture helps us calm down. Slow, methodical, intentional reading of Scripture. It's, it's, it's a revolt against the busyness of this world. That's why I'd say first, how are you going to hear from God? Read read that word. Second thing, listen for that whisper. Listen for God's whisper. This past June, uh, for my daughter's birthday, we we went up to D.C. and we we went around and we we toured some things. And one of the places we toured was the United States Capitol. And uh, we went to this one place called National Statuary, Statuary Hall. This place right here. And there's all these commission, you know, uh, statues in there. And this was the first location where the House of Representatives would meet when the Capitol was built. So the chamber, the house, they would meet in this place. And there's a little plaque on the floor where John Quincy Adams' desk was, if you'll bring that picture up. There it is. All right, leave, leave that up there for a minute. 
you got to look for it, but there's, there's this place where John Quincy Adams' desk was. And in 1824, so about 200 years ago, he was elected by the House of Representatives to be president because there were not enough electoral votes to actually, like, elect a president. They had the nation. Can you imagine the turmoil? <laughs> I think we've been through this before, where the House of Representatives now decide for the people. None of the candidates secured a majority of electoral vote. And this guy, John Quincy Adams, he's the son of a former president. So you can hear the grumblings like, ah, they're just electing him. They're just putting him in there because of nepotism. I mean, you can, you can hear it and you can see it. So, so like his presidency was already started in some conflict. But he's the only president who, after having served as president, then was elected to serve in the House of Representatives in this hall. And that's where his desk was, where this plaque is. And he collapsed at this desk from a stroke in 1848. And he died two days later in a, in a, in a, in a, in a room across the hallway. Now, here's, here's why I'm bringing all this up. This is one of the coolest places in the Capitol. Because if you stand at that spot from about 50-ish feet away, I'd say, you can hear conversations across the room. The acoustics and like, a, you can hear people whispering across the room. And the legend goes like this, that John Quincy Adams found this place, set his desk up there so he could hear people who were conspiring against him. He sat at this spot and he listened to his opponents plotting against him on the other side of this large hall. His ability to anticipate opposition confounded his, his adversaries. Until the secret of the whispering place was discovered. And now, heavy draperies are hung between the pillars in an effort to stifle the loud whispers. But you can still hear the whispers from that place. When I say listen for God's whisper, it takes on a different posture than standing on the mountaintop and just waiting for God. Listening for God's whisper is actually a very intimate and intentional thing. You have to be in the right place. There's a, there's a proximity to hearing God's whisper. Sometimes that means stooping down to bring your ear close to the person who's talking. Maybe being deeply rooted in your faith in God. Maybe hearing from God. Maybe intimacy looks more like a stooping down and bringing your ear close to the breath of God. Literally. Okay, maybe. But when our lives get loud, when the decibels and the sound and the volume gets louder and louder and louder, we tend to lose our sense of wonder in life. And we lose the ability to recognize a God that loves us amidst all the noise. When the volume of your life squeezes out the voice of God, your loss of wonder turns into your loss of worship. Some of us really struggle to worship God. Could it be, could it be that we've not taken time to lean in for the whisper in a while? Could it be that the loudness of life has become so damning 
that we can't even hear in the middle of a worship song. Decibels of our lives have tremendous power, both in volume and in frequency. They affect our hearing first, but then it starts to cause lasting effects on your soul. Much like listening to music at a very high volume over a sustained amount of time is going to hurt your hearing, the decibels of your life, the loudness of your life, has tremendous power. They affect our hearing, but then it, it affects lasting, lasting effects on our soul. And I wouldn't say it's about God being louder. It's about us reducing our lives so we can hear the whisper. When we have no time in our schedules, when we have no time in our life, when the calendar is full, when we're too busy, when the decibels of hurry go deeper and deeper than the whisper and the breath of God, we lose our very lives. Some of us immediately feel guilt. That's not the point. I'm inviting you to something. I'm inviting you to the whisper of God. I'm inviting you to the love, to the wonder, to the adoration of a God who is crazy about you. And yeah, can I lovingly step on your toes in a minute? Your life, it might be too loud. Your schedule might be too jammed. And that's why you feel such squeezing pressure all the time. Because at some point, we believe the lie that, that we can do more than we can actually do. That we have no limits. We forgot that God is ever enduring and everlasting and not us. That not only is God great because nothing's too big for him, he's great because nothing is too small. He, he not only formed the creation and the cosmos and the universe, he formed you and he knows your name. Often I'll have people, because um, as, as a pastor, I'll have people come up to me and, and, and they'll happened this week actually someone reached out to me over text and I called them back and they said I know you're so busy and my patent statement the thing I love to say is oh I try not to be busy but I am very limited I do only have this much I can do oh, I, I really I work hard not to be busy because you know what like like we value busy we value busy people we look up to them like they're so busy they're so important I, I don't buy into it anymore I don't think busyness equates prominence in the kingdom of God. I actually think that busyness might be a form of laziness because I can look a certain way and not be connected to God at all. I want to be so connected to him that someone one day will look at me and go, do you even work? Not in a condescending way because that happens. But in a way of like, everything's on fire and you're okay. Back to the scripture of the West, where I believe that God speaks to us from scripture. And I know that there's some people who believe that God will only speak through scripture. 
I agree with author and pastor Mark Batterson. I love this quote from him. It says this, Don't use the Bible to box God in. It's a well-meaning mistake. To undermine Scripture's authority when we discredit God's ability to speak to us now in the same ways he did in the pages of the Bible. What he's saying there is like God spoke to people before they had Scripture. And if God never changes, he's, he's going to be able to speak to you. But here's, here's the qualifier. He's never going to contradict Scripture. He's never going to contradict what he said before. I've had people come up to me and say, you know what? I've fallen out of love with my wife. I've fallen out of love with my husband. And I just believe God set me free from this marriage. And there's a couple of questions like, is there abuse? Is there adultery? Is there this? Is there... No, 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 no. We just have irreconcilable differences. And I'm like, I have that with my 10-year-old. I don't cast them out of the house. God is not telling you to divorce your husband or your wife because of irreconcilable differences. Jesus gave qualifiers for divorce only because, if you read the Scripture, Matthew, the hard-heartedness of humanity. God will always use the foundation of Scripture to speak in the whispers. He will turn our random moments when we submit them to them to him into divine appointments. He still opens doors. God still inspires dreams. He can turn any space into a whispering place if we will just still ourselves and be intentional. We may hear more than we expected. And if you really want to hear the God, the, the, the voice of God, if you really want to hear the heart of God, I really believe silence is key. If you want the Spirit of God to fill you or fill you again, I would invite you to just be still before him. To set aside the time. Don't hide yourself from God with a loud, decibel-filled life. Don't hide yourself from God with a busier schedule and more to do. Psalm 32 says this, For you are my hiding place. You protect me from the trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. If you're going to be quiet and listen for a whisper, if you're going to read God's word several times over with different ears, if you're going to just get some peace and quiet, you're going to have to put boundaries to the noise in life. And I'd recommend a few things. Somebody showed me this recently, and it totally amazed me. Did you know that if you hold the, on an iPhone, if you hold the volume button and this other button on the side down, you can turn it off. Did you know that? You can actually turn this, like it, it's not on right now. It's off. I saw somebody do it. I was like, oh. When you laugh, you laugh. But how much doom scrolling is taking over our lives? Turn it off for 10 minutes, gang. There are other ways to set alarms. There are other ways to track time. Sometimes the volume of a simple screen becomes the most time-stealing thing in our lives. What about a fast from things like social media? What about that? Like just getting off of it for a while. What about, what about this? We schedule all these different things in our lives. 
We have a dinner tonight with people that we've scheduled. What if you scheduled silence and you held to that appointment? When you find yourself erupting the silence with your to-do list or thinking the next thing, don't get down on yourself. Forgive yourself and try again. I want your walk with Jesus to be so deeply rooted, and I'm telling you, hearing from God's voice is the beginning of a personal revival. Don't miss out on it. I want to invite you to a couple prayers as we close up. First off, um, I really, again, feel that that prayer guide that we talked about, that's such a helpful tool for your toolbox. I'd invite you to try it. I want to pray over you that you'll commit to following this Jesus into the whisper. Some, some of you, when you chuckled at the phone being turned off, you also felt what you may label as shame or guilt. Maybe it's conviction from the Holy Spirit. Again, this is, this is not to shame us or to belittle us or to condescend. I'm inviting you to the promise of life that we see in the scriptures. I'm inviting you to hear from the God of the universe again for the first time.